My hope for the country is bright because once we reach the children and the youth with the gospel, we have a bright future. That box represents not only what somebody's going to be receiving, but what somebody is giving. Yeah, I think the, the vision of, of the church is that each person matters to God and each person matters to us. And so the way that, that we communicate to people that they matter is, uh, is, with, is with kindness. Gift boxes have been a blessing in more ways than one. It was easy then to preach that Jesus cares. It was easy to show them that Jesus really loves you. And this is only a small way in which he's demonstrating his love. One of the amazing things about Operation Christmas Child is that we uh, do our mission in a tangible way to needed children around the globe and together with the local church. And that is a very critical part. It is by empowering, by entrusting, by training uh, the local church, children are important for God because it brings God's name forward. It brings the name of Jesus Christ forward. It's getting people locally to think globally. It's a simple way for people to think about the world and not just think about it, but actually do something. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word as we begin our worship. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, check your bulletin uh, for any announcements. Lots of things happening. As you can see, we have our Operation Christmas Child uh, shoeboxes. They've been filled and, and a lot going on there. And this time I'm going to hand it over to Kevin Dye, uh, who has something to say. <laughs> Good morning, Broadway. Are you ready for the cold weather? Just an update. 39 days until Thanksgiving. 72 days until Christmas Day. Yeah. But now in October, we celebrate Pastor Appreciation Month. I am reminded in the, by the words of the Apostle Paul to respect 
those who labor hard in ministry and to hold them in high regard because of the work they do. In other words, honor our leaders who teach, who guide, who lead, and who minister. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah when he said, I will give you shepherds, shepherds after my own heart, God said, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The work of a pastor is often compared to a shepherd. A shepherd watches out for, a shepherd nurtures, nurtures, takes care of, guards, protects, and leads their flock. All of us here this morning need to understand the magnitude of the responsibility of a pastor and his staff. Pastors are selfless and make daily sacrifices for their congregation. Pastors make the Word of God and the truth of God plain and simple that we may apply it to our daily lives. Pastors have followed God's call to give up their own life, give up their own desires and dreams to serve others. Pastors are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Often a pastor breaks away from his own family to help those who are in need or those who find themselves in a difficult situation. And the one thing that we at Broadway must always remember is that our pastors are people too. We often put our pastors upon a pedestal. But keep in mind this, pastors experience joy, gratification, heartache, frustration, weariness, pastor struggle, and they have stress like you and I do. Beginning this Wednesday at our midweek Bible study, all of us here can show our appreciation to our pastor and the ministry team here at Broadway Baptist Church. In the main lobby, you will find a festive box designated for gifts, for cards, for letters, or words of encouragement. This box will be available for the congregation through the morning service of November the 2nd. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Pastor, we appreciate you. We appreciate your staff. We are indeed a thankful church. Amen? Amen. Well, if you were here Wednesday night, you saw our pastor in his birthday suit. <laughs> his 40th birthday was this week, and it was a glorious event we all enjoyed, I'm sure. Right, we're going to sing today, have a great time of worship together as we sing the wonderful cross. Would you please stand as we start?
join me as we go for our saving prayer. Father, when we think of that cross and the one who willingly went there and laid down his life that we as sinners should have our sins forgiven, our name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, how precious is that truth to us today. We stand our Father this week and remind him of how brief life can be and how things can change so suddenly in our lives. This past week, Lord, has been one of those weeks. Some of our loved ones in the Lord have been called home to you. Families are in. <clears throat> Some of our church family have been in surgery this week. Some have had just a, a generally rough week. Some have rejoiced. Some have blessed in many, many ways. But we come to praise you and to thank you that due to what you did on Calvary, there is hope, there is assurance, there is a blessedness gift of eternal life. There are those here this morning, our Father, that do not know you and have that blessed assurance in their life. I pray this morning as our pastor comes to share with us that your word will burn deep within our hearts. We will draw a mind close unto you. And that our love and our gratitude and thanksgiving and appreciation will be refreshed. And Lord, that we shall leave this place rejoicing and saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Bless every need according to your will and purpose. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's sing it together. Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you here today. We pray that you just be with everybody here, that we clear our minds, open our hearts and souls, as Pastor Daniel brings the message that you have laid upon 
his heart to bring to us today. And that if any decisions need to be made, this will be the day that they are made. Also pray that you bless this offering, that it may be used to reach lost souls throughout our community and throughout the world. For we ask all these things in our precious Savior, Lord's name. Amen.
I was taking a trip on a plane the other day Just wishing that I could get out When the man next to me saw the book in my hand And asked me what it was about And so I settled back in my seat A bestseller, I said A history, mystery in one And so I opened up the book and began to read From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John He was Born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. Angels gathered round him underneath the stars singing praises to the great I am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, made the blind to see again. And for the first time here on earth, we learned that God could be a friend. And though we never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. And then he walked down the road and died on the cross And that was the end of the beginning That's not a new book, that's the Bible, he said I've heard it all before It's before it's superstition made up tales just to help the weak to survive. Let me read it again, I said, but listen closely. This is going to change your life. He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. Angels gathered round him underneath the stars singing praises to the great I am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, and made the blind see again. For the first time here on earth, we learned that God could be a friend. And though we never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. And then he walked down the road and died on the cross, and that was the end. At the beginning, he said with a smile, What more can there be? He's dead. You said they hung him, put nails in his hands, and a crown of thorns on his head. I said, I'll read it again, but this time be sure, because I will know that this is true. His death wasn't the end, but the beginning of life that's completed in you. Don't you know he did all this for you? He was born of a virgin one holy night in the little town of Bethlehem. All the angels singing praises to the great I am. He walked on the water, healed the lame, and made the blind to see again. For the first time here on earth, that God could be a friend. And though he never ever did a single thing wrong, the angry crowd chose him. And then he walked and he died. Three days later, three days later, three days later, he 
You see, he came, he lived, and he died. And that was the end of the beginning. Thank you, Rick. That was outstanding. It certainly was. Very good song with that. For That's an uh, outstanding worship song. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. We, um, I also, I liked this message so much I did something I hadn't done in a while. You need to pull out your bulletin. Inside your bulletin there should be two bulletin inserts. One's a guy who's coming next week to play in a flute, but the other one applies to right now. You want to pull out your white piece of paper there in your bulletin, and I want you to have a bulletin insert because uh, this, uh, this is one of the fill-in-the-blank sermons. It's been a while since some people despise stuff like that, but today's message is so important, you need to write three words this morning. So, that's, um, uh, so you, you make sure you pull that out. You want to follow along here. We're going to look at this morning... Something that I believe is so important, you have to guard these institutions. And here's why. God established three institutions. And we're going to look at all three of them. There's actually <clears throat> there's quite a bit of Scripture we're going to look at. We're going to have to turn to, we're going to, turn to four different places here, looking in our Bibles at, um, here in, our, in God's Word. But we're going to start here in the book of Genesis. Now, these institutions here, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of things that are established, but we want to know, what is God established? If something's important to the Lord, it should be important to you. It should be important to us. Because if it's a priority with God, and if He established something, we also know someone else is going to corrupt it. All three of these institutions, the devil is corrupting. He goes after them. He wants to destroy them. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what they are. It's the families. I know some of you have your, you have your pen in your hand. Your day, you say, Dean, I'm ready to fill up the blank. It's the pen, the, this is what God, in this order too. The family, the church, and government. We're going to talk about those three things right there. Family, church, and government. God established all three of those. All of those come from the Lord. And those three institutions we're about to look at, we're going to see how if we are not rock solid in what the Bible says about them and what we believe about them, they will, they'll, they'll get corrupted and they'll erode away. And that certainly can happen because the devil wants to destroy, and he is destroying all three of this. So go ahead and turn your Bibles here. Um, God established the family. Genesis 2.24, it's very... Very beginning of your Bible. And I put on your little handout right there, a man leaves, cleaves, and weaves to his wife. That's what happens when someone gets married. The, the basic family unit is a man and a woman married. And in that institution, you create children. That's the most basic unit of society. It's God's plan, it's God's will for people to grow up as little children and teenagers and adults 
and for them to leave mama's house, and for them to get married and have their own wife, their own husband, and for them to have a family. God put that in our hearts. That's a desire of every single person here. That's not something made up. That's not new technology. That came from the Lord. God's plan is for folks to grow up, to get married, and to have a family, and to reproduce, and to you know, raise their children in the Lord, raise their children in the church. Say, Daniel, how do you justify this? Turn in your Bible, Genesis 2, 24. This is the creation story right here. And on day six, God created man. And what happens is he uh, says here that uh, from the, in verse 23, it says, And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone. This is Adam speaking, and flesh of my flesh. Or this is uh, uh, the God speaking, or, the, or Adam speaking about Eve. This one, he's naming Eve, will be called woman. Very simple. For she was taken from man. So that, there we have Adam and Eve right there. This is the first humans. Garden of Eden is where this is going on. Look what happened in verse 24. This is why a man, look at this, he leaves his father and mother. Boys, we don't stay at mama's house forever. You don't live in the basement. A man is to leave mama's house. You leave your parents. That's biblical. Parents, you might love your children, but they need to grow up. It's, this is God's plan for them. They grow up, and they become their own man, their own woman, and their own family. This is straight out of the Bible. A man leaves mommy and daddy and bonds with his wife. I mean, he has his own wife. And they become one flesh. There it is. That is marriage. That's the first marriage in the Bible. Adam and Eve were the first couple to get married, and God married them. And they become, when you get married, literally, you become one flesh. This is why divorce is so awful. You know, anybody who's divorced will tell you, the worst thing you'll ever go through is divorce, because you're ripping apart a one flesh union. And this is God's plan. And they didn't have any clothes on in verse 25, and they felt no shame having no clothes on. So there, there it is. That is the first the very first institution God created was in Genesis chapter 2. And it's a family. And it starts right there. And they begin to have Cain and Abel. And uh, th th then humankind starts from that institution. Now this is important for us because we are told also, we, you don't need to turn back there, but in Genesis 1.28 that we're to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. From this family institution comes children. Um, also, um, we as a family members, and we're going to see here, uh, when we get to the second institution, the church, you, all throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about how husband and wives are to, fathers especially, are to be the training of their children. They're to be bringing their children to worship. You should be instructing your children in the ways of the Lord. In this family dynamic, this is what God has created, that if the, the family that worships together stays together. The family that's centered around the, the Lord, children that are learned the Scriptures as a child and as a teenager, they grow up and they might go wild one day, but they're, that, those roots are there. They're coming back because Mama and Daddy planted that. That seed was planted in their heart. 
That's God's plan. God's plan is for a husband and wife to go to church together. They, they ride in the car together. They're coming to Sunday school. They, the children grow up, and they go to their own church. They raise their own family in the ways of the Lord. This is the most basic institution that God has established. And what's important about this is, even though God established the family first, the family, should, family is not above God. We, you don't need to turn there, but Luke, it's on your, if you have your hand out there, in Luke, third bullet point, Luke 14, 26 tells us, family's important, but Christ, the Lord, is more important than your family. God comes first, then comes your family. So if you had to rank in order, have you ever thought, what's the most important thing in my life? First should be the Lord, God comes first, then your family. That is, your, that is the biblical order. In fact, Jesus told us here that in Luke uh, 14, 26, that God should always come before your family. Now, we live in a time where, re now remember, the reason why I'm preaching on this is because this has become corrupted. The devil corrupts these things. Anything given by God, you know he's going to go after. And he is, he's corrupting the family. A family is not two men or two women getting married. A family is a man and a woman. Adam and Eve got married. And that's the, the purpose of that is that's for, for God's plan for procreating the world. It's basic common sense in biology. It's so simple, and God created it that way. What also is important for this, and for us to know, God's plan is not for us to get divorced. God's plan is for us to have a one-flesh relationship with our spouse. God's plan is for us to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. What you should be teaching at home with your children and your grandchildren should just be reinforced at church when they come to Sunday school and Awana and youth group because they're hearing this over and over and over again. You're just instilling the basic Bible principles, what God has said right there. You know, one of the challenges with families is um, 2 Timothy 1.5 says, through the witness of family members, Folks come to know the Lord. In fact, um, uh, here that second bullet point, the young man, young pastor named Timothy, he had a grandmother and a um, mother named Eunice and Lois, and they led their, their son and their grandson, Timothy, to the Lord. That's why he was saved, because mama and grandma loved the Lord. They were believers, and then Timothy became a believer. We see pictures of the basic unit of a family all throughout. Listen, when families fall apart, when the devil goes, and I want you to understand, Satan wants to destroy your family. You have to put a hedge of protection around your marriage and your children. He will go, guys, this is the first that God established this, and he's going after it. He will, he will break apart any way possible. He wants dad to hate mother. He wants children to hate each other, siblings. They want in-laws to hate. Any of this division is not God's plan. God's plan is He created your family. Your family is good. It's easy to make fun of your family. There's a, everybody has wacky uncles and odd family members, but listen, God puts you in your family for a greater purpose. 
And that purpose is, number one, you worship together as a family. And you know that? You can witness to your family members. Timothy, in the New Testament, was saved, a young pastor, because Lois and Eunice led their son and their grandson to Jesus. I'm just curious here. Who here, I want you all to think about, who here was led to the Lord? You've got to raise your hand. If you had a family member lead you to Jesus... They shared the gospel. It might have been your mom or your dad, but someone led you to Christ. Raise your hand. Look at that. That's like 20% of the church. You came to Christ through your family. The most basic institution, a man leaves, cleaves, and weaves to his wife. Parents, you should be praying for your children and your grandchildren's future spouse. You should be praying and putting them in a position that they need to be dating and seeing people who have godly biblical values. You might have to help steer your family in the right decision, help them make wise choices. This is God's plan for us. So the first institution that you guard, that you protect, is your family. We don't hate our families, we love our families. God put us all in a family. And that's a blessing. You have a church family too. No, you have a, a Bible family, you have a church family. All right. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. So number one, the first point was family. God created the family. Number two, God created and established the church. It's true, He did. <clears throat> he didn't create nonprofit organizations, but He created the church. This auditorium you're in this morning was established by the Lord. He, what we're doing today, on Sunday morning, the day that he was resurrected, the day the tomb was empty, was started 2,000 years ago by Jesus. It's not an accident. We're here on a Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, the reason we worship on Sunday morning is the tomb, just like Rick Hawthorne sang about, the tomb was empty on Sunday morning. <clears throat> God established a church, and here's what is the church. The church is in, now, when we say the church, we are not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. We are not talking about um, one denomination. We're talking about the body of believers that comes together on a weekly basis on Sundays and meets on Sundays because of the resurrection, because Jesus was raised on the Lord's Day, and meets together to worship a risen Lord. This cross here, every church should have one, reminds us that Jesus died and the tomb is empty. And we come and we worship the Lord in a church. Now you say, Dan, where do you get this from? Well, Jesus established the church right here. Um, look here at, uh, starting in verse 16. This is with a conversation with Peter. Jesus is talking to Peter, and he asked this question, who, who do you folks say I am? What's the word on the street? And then they say, uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then Jesus turns it to Peter and says, Peter, you tell me. Who do you say to them? You know every sermon, every time you're dealing with the Lord, he turns it towards you. It's easy to survey the crowd. But then Jesus turns the attention and he points the finger right at you and says, what about you? Who do you say I am? Because when we're saved, we don't get saved as a family. You get saved individually. Jesus asked every single one of us, one-on-one, -on -one, 
who do you say that I am? That's what he's doing to Peter right here. Look at this. Verse 16. Look in your Bibles. Matthew 16, 16. Very important Bible verses while we're here today. Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered. Look what he said in verse 17. Jesus responded to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. So Peter just got a new name. He was Simon, now he's Peter. Jesus renames people. And look at this. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, that's the gates of hell, that means the devil, will not overpower it. On this rock, Peter means rock. On this rock, Peter, I will build my church. Now, when we get to the book of Acts, do you know who the leader of it was of the early church? It was Peter. He started out, he was right there at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and he was the rock when the uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, came down and filled the believers in that upper room. Peter stood up and preached a sermon. He was the first preacher in the New Testament, or the first, I guess, church preacher there, right there at Pentecost. And he was that rock, and he, Jesus is building that church on Peter. Listen, we are expected to belong to a local church. Now, now that church there in Jerusalem that came about in Acts chapter 2, Obviously, we don't meet in Jerusalem this morning. We're not there in Jerusalem. But the church is a body of believers that is centered around God's Word. We come here and we worship the Lord. We read Scripture. We sing praises to Him. And we respond to what God is doing. In this sanctuary, all across the world, there are people doing what you are doing. We are called and expected to be at church. Listen. Jesus, he did not create Samaritan's Purse. And we'll talk about that a little bit, at least shoebox. He did not create the Kentucky Baptist Convention. He did not establish the University of Kentucky and other nonprofit organizations. Jesus established only one organization, and he did it on Peter. He established the local church. Now, I have up here on the screen, I ran out of room on my little flyer there, so we always have to have some <clears throat> extra stuff here. Why a church? Oh, why, why, why do we go to church? Why did you get up this morning, put your clothes on, hopefully took a bath, and you came here, and you're meeting in a church? There's a reason for this. Why do we go to church? Why do we belong to a local church? All church is local. Yet the universal church has a billion-plus members of all over the world. But every church is a local church. It's a local group of believers. Why a church? Joining a church gives evidence of our commitment to God. You belong to Broadway Baptist Church because you're showing to other folks, I belong, I am committed to God. Listen, lost people cannot join a, a church. Unsaved people Heathens don't walk in here saying, I want to just become a church member. No one does that. Why would an unsaved man want to join a church? Saved people join churches. In order to join our church, you have to be born again and receive believer's baptism. And that, that's your evidence. You're saying, I'm a committed believer and a follower of Jesus. 
Therefore, I want to be a member. I want to commit myself to the Lord. So this is why, this, remember, Jesus established this. This is why he created it. Number two, joining a church places us under the influence of the Word of God. It's very tempting. You know, our lives are very busy. All of us have things we need to do. Many of you might be looking at your watch right now or looking at your phone thinking, when is this going to be over? Because you have other things going to do. But one of the most important things we have to do is we need to be under the influence and the power of God's Word. And when you come to church, this book right here is central to worship. If you go to church and they aren't preaching and teaching from this book, brother, you're not at church. I don't know where you're at, but it's not church. The Word of God is central to church. This is why the pulpit is in a, in a Protestant church. The pulpit sits in the middle of the service to showing the centrality of Scripture. This is why our stained glass window, what do we have? We have a Bible up there. We're a church built on Scripture. You come into a God's house to learn about the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. God speaks to you through His book. Through the Bible, you've come here, you're wanting to hear a message from God. So you want to be under the influence of God, because when you go out of here, there's a lot of other influences. Listen, the, the devil tries to corrupt and does corrupt churches. And the way you do that, you can go to church and it can become political. You can go to church and it can become a service organization about feeding poor folks. Those are all, I guess that's good, but what's most important is God's Word. I'm here to worship the Lord in what He wants me to do. Number three, last thing here, why a church? Joining a church fulfills the New Testament example. Do you, have you ever referred to yourself as a Christian? Think where did that word Christian come from? Well, it came from the church at Antioch. If you go out in the country, if you, go out, you don't have to go far. If you drive five miles from here, probably you'll find an Antioch Baptist church. So why is this... We're in Nicholasville. Why are they calling this place Antioch Baptist Church? Well, the reason why churches out in the country and all over the world are called Antioch Baptist Church is because 11, or Acts 11.26. It says, the disciples there, you don't have to turn there, it's up on the board. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. What were they doing? They were, listen to this, in this city in Antioch, which is north of Israel, they were meeting there. They were worshiping the Lord. And what happened is, they, the Lord first called them, gave them, they were called Christians. They were meeting in a worship service on a Sunday morning, and that's where that name came from. The phrase Christians came from the Lord, came from the church in Antioch. They were meeting in a local church, worshiping Jesus. This is what we do. If you're not an active member of a local church, and I use the word active, if you're not an active member of a local church, you are preventing God from using you as He desires. Why? Because God works through the local church. This is why we give. God commands us to give to our church. Jesus said that. He affirmed it. God has chosen to work through you through your local church. Churches have to realize and they have to shake off this sense that we're powerless. Now, our power, when we think of the word power, we think of fighting. That's not the power Jesus is talking about. Look back in your Bible here. Matthew 16. Don't miss this little phrase Jesus said. Very last part of verse 18. 16, 18. So he's, he's telling Peter, 
I'm going to build my church. And look at this. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Listen, as evil, as sorry as our world might be, do you know, there is hope in this Bible verse. Do you know what that hope is? The church, the world, now a local church might fold and go out of business or they might get corrupt or go liberal or something like that. But the worldwide church of God will never fold. So how do you know that? Jesus said so. Matthew 16, 18. He says that gates of Hades, the gates of hell, Satan will not defeat the church. Will not do it. We will always come out on top. How? Because the Lord established the church. It is God's will and plan for you to be a member and to be a part, and not just be a part, but to be active in a church. Listen, one of the greatest challenges in church, church world is giving. Because what happens to folks is, back, back in Bible times, you didn't have all these other nonprofit organizations. If you wanted to give, you gave to church. You gave to the temple. That was it. Nowadays, and that, that's our tithe we give, but nowadays what happens, there's so many organizations. You, if you check your mail, most likely you're going to get a fundraising letter tomorrow. And some of you are going to smile because you think. And it's going to be some organization, and they've got a good cause. They save animals. They help f- football teams win. They love their basketball player. They're going to be asking you for money. And it's going to be tax-free. It's going to be great. They'll give you special benefits if you support them, whatever it would be. And we have to remember, God didn't create these other organizations. They might be great organizations, but that's not the church. That's not a tithe. That's not giving. You know, one of the other things with giving is legacy giving. Legacy giving, if, um, if you were to pull out a gun and shoot me right now and Benjamin's six, so Sherry's at home with him. <clears throat> if you were to go to our house and kill Sherry, we would both be dead. We'd be in heaven. But y'all might not know this, but Broadway Baptist Church would receive 12% of our estate. Now, that might be enough money to buy a pew Bible. That would be all you get, but you would get you a new Bible here in the pew. We tithe on our estate. We give. We have that in our will. We, we wrote that in there. It says if we die, whatever, ch- whatever local church we're a member of, they, they receive that. That's a gift. I want to tell you a true story. I know of a church that um, a, l- a lady passed away. And um, she was just a faithful lady, and she loved the Lord. Her husband had died several years before that, and she left her local church with about $350,000, and they wanted to give it to the building fund. You know, you don't give legacy giving to support the budget. They give it to a special project. So he, this church needed a new youth room, and she, lo- I mean, just, she knew the power of the gospel, the Bible preaching, teaching church, folks were getting saved, so she left, you know, some money to her local church, and that church went and expanded their little youth room, and fixed it up, and made it real nice, and uh, really great for the teenagers, and listen, you know, now, you think, well, what's the big story, do you know that youth group grew, they fixed that building up, and now it has on Wednesday nights over a hundred teenagers meeting there, and that's because this lady, instead of giving money to some other organization, instead of giving it to the football program or the basketball program, she said, I'm going to give to my church, to what Jesus established. And folks are getting saved even today, and God is blessing their ministry. 
I want you to understand, you should fight and support the church. No, don't fight the church. You fight for the church, meaning you, you, you protect it, saying this is something the Lord has established. It is not, we are not, this is not any old organization. This isn't just another run-of-the-mill nonprofit. No, Jesus established this in Matthew 16, 18. And listen, it will never go out of business. It will never be defeated. God created our church. 66 years ago, Broadway Baptist Church was started. It was a church that's built on the Bible. We support our church. We make it a priority. We need to realize this is a living organization from the Lord. Thirdly, we got family. You got church. And third is government. Turn your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We'll read the first couple of verses here. Now, you would think, I, I, we still have a landline. I actually like our landline. We answer the phone at home, and I, I'm not kidding. Every day we get these phone calls. Sir, who are you going to vote? We get political polls. Are you voting for Andy, Andy Barr or Amy McGrath? What's your political lean? Do you all get this stuff? All the time we get these phone calls. Every day. It came, even yesterday I got one. So... Yesterday, Air Force One actually landed right out this window over here at our airport. And um, uh, President Trump actually drove by our church yesterday afternoon, headed over to Richmond. You would think this Kentucky 6th Congressional District is the center of the political world right here. But we're going to look here at what the Bible says about politics and about government. Because government was instituted by God. Government is not bad. We do not need to call it a necessary evil. Government is, has a purpose from the Lord. Just as family has a purpose, just as church has a purpose, your government, our government, is good. Look at this. Verse, verse 1, Romans 13, 1. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there is no other authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God, so then the one who resists authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authorities? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because the government does not carry a sword for nothing. Now, our government, we are U.S. citizens. We love our country. But the truth of it is, we, unfortunately, if you have a political conversation about the government with someone, it's a war. People are ready to fight. They hate you. It's, you just can't talk about politics and some of you are smiling, I see it, because it's become so polarizing. Something that God has created for good, that God has instituted, has become corrupted. The purpose of government is to create law and order. That is why government exists. That's why we have the Ten Commandments. We aren't to be lawless people just running around stealing and killing and shooting folks. God says He's put a government in place, people over us, so that there's 
a sense of decency and people act right in our, our, our nation. God created our government. We are not to go around bashing our government. We are not to go around criticizing governmental leaders. In fact, here in 1 Timothy 2.2, it says, the very last bullet point in your handout, it says, we're to pray for those in authority. Do you pray for elected officials? Do you pray for your president, your congressman, your mayor? Do you pray for those that govern Kentucky, our governor? God gives all power. All authority actually comes from the Lord. And He's given that to our government to create law and order in our nation. That's the purpose of government. We're fortunate to be in a government, a country, that has the freedom of worship. We can come to church and worship the Lord and not worry about going to jail or getting locked up in prison. Government is actually something good. Now listen, if you are a U.S. citizen and you're at least 18 years old, what does that mean? That means you can vote. If you do not vote, and I'm not just talking about next month's election, if you just don't vote at all, what you're saying is, God, I know you created government. I know government is good. I know you've actually put it in place for me to elect elected leaders, but I'm choosing not to participate. God, I'm not going to do what you've said to do. You're actually telling God not voting is like not going to church. You're basically saying, God, you've established this institution, the institution of government, the institution of church, but I am choosing not to participate in it. I once knew someone who did not vote. This person, my friend, his name was Brian. He was very outspoken against the government. And I said, Brian, you can never again tell me anything what you think about politics, ever, because you don't vote, and your wife doesn't either. But he had an opinion on it, but he would not participate in it. Listen, the most basic thing we can ever do to support our government is to go vote. That's it. You vote. God expects us to participate in the political process. This doesn't mean you need to be a campaigner, you need to run up and down and call everybody and knock on doors, but government is something that is good. You say, well, Daniel, what did Jesus say about government? Jesus did speak about government. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-one. you don't need to turn there, but when asked about paying our taxes, what if, you, what if you don't want to pay taxes? Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Jesus affirmed the Roman government. He affirmed paying taxes. Last scripture passage here. Now, this we're going to end on because this is important. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Because this is important because this could happen today. What happens when a government goes rogue? What happens when laws are passed and established that conflict against your Christian beliefs? What happens when the, when the Bible con, conflicts with, with governmental laws? This occurred in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John dealt with this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. This is a very important Bible verse. I want you to read this. What happened here? The Holy Spirit was moving Peter and John were preaching. Folks were getting saved. People were getting healed. The, the church was growing like wildfire. And then all of a sudden, this ruling group of leaders called the Sanhedrin, they aren't happy. 
because they're realizing we're losing influence. And Peter and John, these guys are superstars, and folks are getting healed. Pick up in your Bible, Acts 4.13. Last Bible verse we're going to read this morning. This is about the Jewish ruling leaders. When they observed the boldness, look at that, the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Do people know that about you? That you've been with Jesus? You have a boldness that overflows other folks? It's radiant. And since they saw the man who had been healed, they healed someone, or the Lord healed them, standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, basically they kicked out Peter and John and said, we're going to talk about this. And they conferred among themselves. Look what happens here. Saying, verse 16, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in the name of this again. So they called them in and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Y'all see what happened? The, the, the authorities, the government, told Peter and John, says, listen, I understand you healed somebody, but you are not going to again tell anybody about Jesus. Now that could happen today in America. What would happen when we aren't allowed, when we lose our religious, religious liberty? What if we were born in North Korea and they don't have religious freedom? They aren't free to speak about Jesus. It might not be a reality for us here in the U.S., but there's parts of the world they cannot freely talk about the Lord. Look at the response. This is what you do. If government passes a law that restricts you speaking and and conflicts with God's rules. Look what they said here. Peter and John answered. Verse 19, answered them. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. Meaning, okay, do I listen to you or do I listen to God? Sanhedrin, I'm going to let you decide that. But look at this, verse 20. Look at these men. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and her. Do you know these men, Peter and John, these uneducated, untrained Bible scholars, they had seen Jesus, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they thought, you know what, we're just going to go around and we're going to tell anyone we see about the Lord. Because I can't stop speaking about it. And if you want to create a law, if you want to pass some rules, fine. That's for you. I don't care if I'm arrested. I serve the Lord. That's what they said. Broadway, we love our government. We support our government. Government is instituted by God. But when it comes between government and God, we choose God. He always comes first. God's government laws do not supersede God's laws. So when this, if we were ever to, if we were ever to be in a position or ever hear about something, what do I choose between my government and God? Well, that's an easy one. We always choose the Lord. He's first in everything. So tying all this together, what is this message for you this morning? Three institutions. Family, church, government. Listen, the devil wants to destroy and corrupt those institutions. You guard those. 
You participate in those. You support those. They're good. If God made it, it's good. We want to be believers. You want to be a Christian that says, God, I've raised my family in teaching about the Lord. God, I've come to my church and I hear sermons and I hear God's Word preached and taught in worship. Lord, I participate in the political process. I vote for who you want me to vote for. I pray for my governmental leaders. I support being an American. I don't bash it. God placed us in this country. We're proud of it. It's not something to be ashamed of. There's pride in your country. That's a good thing. But most importantly, above family, church, and government, who do you belong to? You belong to God. This morning, we're about to have our invitation. Do you belong to God? Are you saved? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? Do you have this same boldness that Peter and John has? If someone were to tell you, hey, you can't, you can't talk about Jesus anymore, would you say, I don't care. I can't not stop talking about Him. He overflows from my life. It's contagious. It's who He, who I am. Jesus, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that has never been saved, they've never been filled with the Spirit, Lord, if, they, if you aren't first in their life, Lord, I pray we respond to you. I pray we get saved. I pray we walk this aisle and take my hand and say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Lord, we pray for our families. Lord, you instituted the family. It's your will for folks to have a family and have children. Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, we pray you don't just bless Broadway. You bless every single church in the, in the world this morning. Bible-believing, gospel-proclaiming churches. The gospel comes out and spreads through local churches. Lord, we pray for our government. We pray for President Trump. We pray for our governor. Lord, we pray for our congressmen, our senators here in Kentucky, and our mayor. Lord, those you, you have entrusted with authority over us, Lord, we, we surrender them to you. Lord, we pray we... Speak positive about our government and our leaders. It's what you've commanded us to do. Lord, we protect these institutions. It's not by accident you created them. Lord, we give you this invitation. Just as the second institution of the church, Lord, if there's someone here that needs to join our church this morning, I pray, just like Peter and John, they have that boldness to make it public. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's... Stand. We're going to stand and sing. David Dale's going to lead us in her song. I'll be standing down front waiting for you to respond this morning. Sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and seal. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, 
Wash me just now as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yield it and seal. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. I'm ask everybody to be seated. So, <coughs> be seated real quick. I'm sorry. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're, God's certainly been moving, doing some great things, so we're going to announce, uh, announce that. Before, uh, before we do that, I want to make co- uh, a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, you see these boxes here. You might think these are decorations, but they're not decorations. These here are for you. We participate, um, one of those nonprofit organizations I just preached against. We <laughs> Don't give me money, you fill up a box. So that's so, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I like Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse is run by uh, Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham is Billy Graham's son. Um, he's been doing this about 30, 25, 30 years now. We have boxes all over this church. These are not decorations. These are for you to walk by and take and go home with. You need to take a box home, and I believe it has what to fill out and everything, what to pray for. You fill your box up with um, uh, items, uh, gift items, and um, you turn them back in. They're due back on Veterans Day, November 11th. Peggy, where do we turn these in? Is she? Does anybody? Do they just go in the lobby? Is that where we? Or the? Where? 
we don't know where to turn them in. They're just due back somewhere. <laughs> they, they go somewhere, so <laughs> they go to the fellowship hall. So. so we'll have them in the fellowship hall. We'll bring these back. We have 200 of these to give away. So uh, you want to fill these up. It's a great ministry. What Franklin Graham, we, we send these down to Boone. Uh, they end up in Boone, North Carolina, and then they put gospel tracts and Bibles in there, and these go to other places throughout the world, a lot of needy areas. A great opportunity to share the gospel of giving a, a gift and, um, as well as a shoebox. So when you leave, as you leave out from the sanctuary, uh, as well as uh, for, um, downstairs in the fellowship hall, make sure you grab a box or two, and they're due back on Veterans Day, November 11th. Two other announcements I wanted to make. This coming... Um, uh, Saturday is our monthly men's prayer breakfast. We have a gentleman named Victor Hazard coming. Victor, he is the uh, he's an administrator at UK, so he's going to be um, he's going to be speaking. So we're very um, very excited about that. I had another announcement, but I forgot it. So, uh, but I got two out of the three for that. So let's we're going to introduce our, um, our 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 guest here. God's been doing a wonderful thing. Nancy, come stand up here. This is Miss Nancy, help me pronounce it, Bastin, right? Nancy Bastin, she's coming here, and she's joining our membership, or joining Broadway Baptist Church by a statement of faith. She's coming from a local, it's not a Baptist church, but it's a local church that does believers' baptism. So she's coming this morning and wanting to unite here at Broadway Baptist Church. We are excited about her. Anybody who sits on the second pew gets an amen. So if you are excited for Nancy uniting here at Broadway with us, you join me in saying amen. Amen. We're excited about that, Nancy. So you just stand right here. So. All right, Benita, Charles, why don't y'all come stand up here? And I'm going to remember all y'all's girls' names. <laughs> <coughs> this here is Benita and Charles Mogan. Did I pronounce right? Mogan. I got it. And two of their girls... And they're coming from uh, a local area Baptist church. They're transferring their membership here. I'm going to remember y'all's names. Two of the girls, Abby, right? Yeah. Abby. <laughs> Bella. <laughs> Bella and Abby here. They have been baptized, so they'll be um, joining our church as well. And this is Jillian. And uh, I've met with her about baptism, but she's not quite ready yet. But we are excited for these three girls and um, this wonderful family for coming here and being part of Broadway. So we're, I've been had the opportunity to gotten real involved in our children's ministry, our youth ministry here. So if you were excited for the Mogan family coming and uniting and joining Broadway Baptist Church this morning, will you give them an amen? Amen. So we're very excited for that. Of course. <clears throat> All right, we have a receiving line. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand up. And um, uh, I guess David's going to close us in a song here. We have church tonight. Awana's is at 5.30 tonight. And Awana's bring, uh, is it coloring book night? Stuffed animal night. And stuffed animal night, the stuffed animals go for all these boxes here for the Operation uh, Christmas Child. So that's at 5.30. We have evening worship and the sermon's on the back sheet of your uh, handout. That's tonight's sermon um, going through that. So right, right when we're done, when David Dell sings her song, come through here. And um, congratulate both these families here for joining Broadway Baptist Church. And let me remind young at heart, you're welcome to join us at Chop House right after church here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth 
will grow strangely in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. See you tonight.